0: Welcome to the 2022 World Cup podcast. I am your host Owen alongside Joshua. Joshua. Josh is here with me today after having me fly solo last night and we do have slightly more somber tones than we have in the last few episodes. The excitement is muted. The World Cup yeah, is Yeah, the still tournament's happening. over. Yeah, the World <laughs> World the world tournament ended. is over. That's right. History began in 1776. Everything before that was a mistake. Yeah, the birth of so. uh, the birth of the Western world,
1: aka America, aka all civilization, aka the human race.
0: <laughs> uh, I can't <sighs> stand any other country, and the Dutch. So. <laughs> Yeah, so it, look, today's results, the Netherlands 3, US 1. I'm just going to go through this stat line here, Josh, because I think it's important. Okay. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read off the stats for one of the teams, and they happen to win in every single one of these categories. Okay. 17 okay. shots, 8 shots on target, 59% possession, 569 completed passes with 83% pass accuracy. 5 fouls, which is the fewer amount of fouls, and 5 corners. So uh-huh. every single major statistical category this team won in, which team was that?
1: That was uh that was uh, the United States of America, wasn't it? It was the United
0: States of America. But what about that so, other stat that uh
1: that that
0: one that's like a G? Yeah, the the goals that's the one we didn't. That's the one we didn't win, huh? That's the one we didn't win. So <sighs> what does that tell us? I mean, what is this story telling us? I mean, for me, it tells us that the Dutch... Bad priorities. <laughs> Sounds like we have bad priorities. I know we're trying to control the wrong parts of the game. Um, I will say, and I, I shared this, we had a little bit of a watch party this morning, had a bunch of people over here watching the game. And somebody said to me that they... That you could tell the parents in youth soccer,' yeah, you know, I've coached my two four now five year olds, and he said, "You can always tell in youth soccer who are like the American parents who didn't play soccer and are now involved in soccer for the first time in their life because they're screaming at their kids like, "Yeah, kick it hard, All right, yeah, mm, yeah, get the ball, kick it good. And he says, and then you can you can see the other parents who are either not American or grew up in homes where soccer was a thing. And those parents are saying, uh-huh. Oh, great control. Good touch. Now pass and turn. Okay. Good turn with four and five-year-olds. And, and so one of the things that I was laughing about is, you know, in previous world cups, it's felt like that sort of yeah, kick the, kick it hard, get it out of bounds. That's kind of been the mentality of the U.S. teams up to this point because they've grown up in homes uh-huh. that had little understanding about it. They've grown up with coaches that were not world-class players, and it reflected on the team. Like we were cheering when there was a good slide tackle on the sideline, and they, we were cheering when they kicked it out of bounds, and that didn't happen in this tournament. That's something that I think is is progress. It's visible progress. That yeah, some while soccer is never going to be the sport of America, we are becoming a soccer country. And I think that that mm-hmm. is an important distinction. So the story that this tells us is a sad one because we lost, but it tells me that we don't have a good central forward. Mm-hmm. And the Dutch had two very clinical finishers today. If we had Memphis Depay in our team, we would have beaten them 3-0. Uh-huh. If we had Cody Gakpo in our team, we probably would have beaten them 2-1. So we don't have a good central forward. And we also don't have a good central defender. Tim Re- this was Tim Ream's worst game. And it was a bad time for it to be his worst game because he's looked mm-hmm. so good throughout this tournament. He won't be at the next tournament. He's already 35. He barely made this squad. And... Zimmerman, they kept saying eh, it was such a solid display. He's the two-time MS- MLS Defensive Player of the Year. Who cares? It's like it's like saying that your kid got straight A's in second grade when they go to apply for Stanford. You know, like they they don't care. And so I think you know we we need central defenders that are more disciplined, and we need a goal scoring central forward. And and Jesus Ferreira may be that answer eventually. He's He's young enough to hopefully not get completely tanked by being in the MLS. Hopefully he earns himself a transfer out. Uh and and we'll hopefully see some growth from him before the next tournament. What other thoughts did you have, Josh?
1: Yeah, I uh I saw us keep trying to just take it wide and then get a cross in. But it was always we never mixed it up like they're i mean the netherlands two first two goals were like identical the cutback to someone wide open at the top of the box um easy finish i don't think i really saw us do that much um i think the couple of times we tried to cut up cut inside and shoot instead of take it wide and cross those two shots were like throw-ins like we they were horrible they were cut inside just try and kick it as hard as you can. Um you're not going for goal, you're going for making a memory like something that people will talk about for decades instead of uh yep. instead of trying to put it on target. And they were they were very bad shots. So yeah, there was um there didn't seem like any other way to to score. Um I mean we could talk about the finish on our goal. That was that was pretty impressive how we meant to do that.
0: Yeah, completely accidental. I, I do think this game has a very, very different complexion if Christian Pulisic doesn't actually think that he's offside in the second or third minute, whenever that was. He was perfectly uh-huh. through on goal. I felt like yep. he only put about 80% into that effort because he was pretty darn sure he was offside. I was pretty sure he was offside. And then you look and there's a player at the, at the far end of the field that's keeping him on, and that really should have been a goal. Christian Pulisic scores that nine times out of ten. And that would have yeah. changed the complexion of this game because we would have been able to play a little bit more aggressively. Um, but yeah, to your point, I mean, it's the Dutch, it was the same goal twice and they mm-hmm. obviously looked at the lineup and said, Oh, look at this Zimmerman Reem. Okay. So we've watched enough film on these guys to know that they get sucked in very easily on these crosses because neither of them were marking anybody on those goals. You know, there's three defenders yeah. that are keeping this line and running back as though they're about to defend across, but there are no offensive players with them. And yeah. it's, I understand that you're kind of trying to mark zonal areas of the pitch, but you, you still need to see if there are people there. <laughs> yeah. And, there
1: no and then, and then the third goal was just like, Not a defender within 50 miles of the guy. Um, There's a lot of questions to be asked about the defending today.
0: I thought Serginio Dest was the only good defender today. I thought Anthony Robinson was a complete liability. People talk about what he offers the team because of his pace, but the only time you really see him use his pace is when he's trying to recover from poor positioning. So that's not the mark of a good player. That's not the mark of a player you want in your team. You know, you want somebody who either uses that pace to get forward and and creates meaningful offensive contributions, or you want somebody who's, you know, able to position themselves defensively to be able to cover uh, effectively. So I, I just, it, it's frustrating. It's a frustrating day in a game where, again, you know, we similarly, I mean, we probably dominated the, this Dutch team a little bit more even than we we took command of that England game. And there just was no finish. There was no finish. And our goal was completely accidental. 100% yeah. accidental. But yeah. it breathed life into the game, and you, I was hoping they would push on, it just it didn't happen. So,
1: Yeah, I was hoping for a great, exciting final 15 minutes um, after that goal. It was done 1-2. And yeah, they equalized pretty quickly for 3-1 in that kind of snuffed out any life we had i think um pretty painful
0: yeah it hurt it hurt big time so and luckily arena f- well, G- G- did come on in the second half i thought that Burhalter finally got over whatever personal stuff he had going on with him he he looked good i think he should have been playing most of this tournament so that part's a little bit frustrating mm-hmm. i don't know if Weya was tired or what but he shouldn't have been the player that came off uh, he, I thought he was having a, a pretty pretty good game up to that point. And I, I don't think Haji Moore should ever wear a U.S. jersey again. He just I, – I don't think he's a bad guy. I don't even know that he's necessarily a bad player. He just is completely uninspired in his movement and his shooting ability. And maybe that's okay in the MLS. But that guy wouldn't get, get the sniff in a championship team. So yeah. I just see why he's he's in the squad. All right, enough uh, negativity. Let me uh, so,
1: let me yeah. let me tell a new story about the place I went to to watch the game. Um, so if you remember the last U.S. game, yeah, power I went outage, to this brewery, brewery in town, power outage, right?
0: I bet today you, you wished the power went out.
1: Yeah, um, if it if it meant a goal when I got the power back on, and the game back on, I would have taken it. I would gladly take a power outage, um, for my team's goal every every day, but. So I'm at the same same brewery watching this game. It's pretty packed. Lots of fans there. Um, and then today, the city has this event going on down Main Street, like a parade type thing, whatever. Um, so there's, I mean, we're, we're near a window. You can see tons of people out on the sidewalks. They've got some roads kind of closed off for it and stuff. So I wasn't, I wasn't like too uh, concerned as I see all the. The police around and stuff directing traffic and everything, um or so I thought directing traffic because apparently uh someone left a suitcase just uh kind of out in the road for a while, and the city bomb squad came around and blew it up, so there was a humongous explosion uh in like the i don't know sixty seventieth minute or something Are you and kidding? <laughs> it was a like big boom building shook we kind of look outside i mean then i see like the van it says like bomb squad and a guy in a huge suit like walking oh back gosh. over to the area so yeah someone left a bag i i haven't seen any news reports on what it was inside or what happened but uh they suspicious bag so they don't play games they just uh blew get it up. their
0: stuff and blow it up yeah isn't that freedom though that's uh,
1: yeah, it's something
0: when in doubt, explode it.
1: Yeah. The bomb's did, bursting when, in here.
0: When in doubt, don't implode. That's what the U S team did today, but yeah, when in doubt, explode it. And that's what, you know, we should have done. That's wild. So what I'm learning from this is that you shouldn't go there anymore. Are you kidding me? What's going to happen next time? Like a... <laughs> yeah, that's a good that's a good point next time take popcorn let me rephrase next time you go take yeah. your own bag of popcorn i mean it's probably and a gonna video be camera. like
1: i'm either gonna see a celebrity or like the zombie apocalypse will happen while i'm at this restaurant i'll have to fight my way
0: out um something exciting it's got to something exciting the u.s will win the world cup yeah so don't go for four years all right, so let's talk about some of the positives here. Okay. this is we a, team a goal that against is, the Netherlands. We, we did get a goal. It was an accidental goal. But this team is extraordinarily young, and they did do very, yep. very well in this game. I mean, they did better than most people probably expect them to. I think that the, the, this Dutch team is extraordinarily technical. I know you picked Serbia early as your dark horse. I picked the Netherlands. I love the Dutch. Um, I think they actually have a real, real opportunity to beat Argentina if they play the same way they did today. But this U.S. team, if we can find that center forward, if we can find somebody who's a a good goal scorer, you mix that with being on home turf in four years and – that is that's a scary proposition. Provided that the the ascendancy continues for this young group of players, I mean, you got the Weston McKinney's, Eunice Musas and and Tyler Adams. The, those guys, those guys are still. I mean, that, the collective average age in that midfield is like twenty two. So it looks good for four years because they'll truly be entering their primes. They'll truly mm-hmm. be entering their primes. Uh, Pulisic and Weah, of course, also very young. I think one thing that I was a little bit scared about this tournament because we haven't seen, at least I haven't seen, because um, he's not playing in in a major European league right now. He's an Arsenal player, but I was a little bit concerned about the goalkeeping coming into this tournament, something that the U.S. has been historically very strong with. You know, you've produced Brad Friedel, who was exceptional, played for Blackburn for all those years in the Premier League. Tim Howard, who then played for Everton for all those years in the Premier league. And I got to see those guys playing every week and and knew how good they were coming into this with Matt Turner, even though he's an arsenal goalkeeper, I think he's second or third string there and doesn't get a ton of minutes, but the tradition of goalkeeping, producing very good goalkeepers continues. And Matt Turner, I thought had a really good, really good tournament and saved really what probably should have been a fourth goal uh, with that kind of double save, which was pretty, Mm -hmm. (laughs) pretty crazy so uh he had a he had a good tournament, good game. I don't think he really took too many steps wrong, so definitely excited to see the rich and strong goalkeeping tradition continue. yeah, that's
1: encouraging well, uh i mean four years four years is a decent amount of time, but it's also you know if we're looking for a strong striker, like you kind of have to think that person has to be seventeen, eighteen. Nineteen twenty now, you'd think they'd be on our radar. So I don't know. I mean, there's there's plenty of time for someone to develop. Plenty of time for a young person to, uh, um, to step up. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where necessarily it'll come from. But that's uh, I I agree. Something we definitely need by the next. Yeah, you
0: could you could see somebody like maybe sergeant growing into a little bit better finisher. You know, he's he's gotten some he's still young, he's young. And and, and like I said earlier, JC's Ferreira, I mean, he's if he gets a move to Spain or he gets a move to Italy or something like that. I don't know that he's quite the player for a Premier League team. Um but I I was watching him today. He didn't have a lot of contribution and I haven't watched any Dallas games to know kind of how he plays. I do know that he has like 15 goals for them or no, he had 18 goals this past season. So he, he knows how to score. <clears throat> but one thing that I saw with him today was movement that I didn't see with, with Sergeant really solid movement where he was kind of working off people and making darting runs. Uh, and so that, that could be somebody that's for the future. I, it, you know, Tim Weah was a central striker. That, that might be the answer for this U S team maybe he shifts back to a central striker and and kind of continues that or he develops uh, better as a finisher from that wing position for club and then plays centrally for country. So th- mm-hmm. there are some options there. Uh, we just we need to see that growth before the next before the next tournament. Haji Wright is not the answer. Uh, he should not come. I would have rather had Landon Donovan get out of the commentary booth for a couple of minutes. Um but yeah, that was That was today. That was today. And then, of course, this second heartbreak of the day. Yeah. The Socceroos. When it rains, it pours. When it rains, it pours. So my dreams of a USA-Australia quarterfinal were dashed with Australia losing to Argentina. This Argentina team has all the talent in the world. I mean, Messi showed why he has been not just a contemporary, but in in the opinions of eight out of 10 people, the superior to Cristiano Ronaldo, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo was somebody who I almost liken them to like a, for the American listeners, like a Peyton Manning, Tom Brady rivalry. Uh, except that Messi also has more trophies. Um, at least Maybe like a, uh,
1: <laughs> maybe like a Roger
0: Federer, Rafael Nadal thing. Yeah, I don't watch enough tennis to make that comparison, so I'll let you do that one. But everybody always knew that Maybe Peyton, like Manning a- cool. <laughs> Peyton Manning was the better mind, the better passer, just the better quarterback in general. But but Tom Brady worked harder at it, and he changed every aspect of his diet and life to make sure that he could compete at a high level and still can. I, I think that's kind of the difference between these two is that Messi is just better. And we're seeing that now even as they age. Messi's aging well. And he was still able. There was one point in that game today where he went through three people, drew in a fourth, and laid it off to Martinez, who's in incredible scoring form. And the guy just scored it or uh, just skied it into the stands. You could see Messi like, "Really, man? I just, I just took on most of the team and then like gave you a layup, and here we are." So. You know, yeah. it's the rivalry there is interesting, but I think what we're seeing is that Messi has and will continue to be the superior player.
1: Yeah, he uh he only needs a little bit of space and I mean I saw it happening as the ball laid off to him like that's all <laughs> that's all he needs. He's gonna shoot and through the guy's legs, uh into the far corner. Great shot and tough to do. Tough to do in that real quick, tight space, uh where he was at, but If you know anyone can do
0: it, uh, it's certainly him. It's certainly him. It is certainly him. So one thing that's been really interesting to me, and I'd like your, your perspective on this. We haven't seen Paulo Dybala play at all. Yeah, I'm a big fan of him. Um, This is an Argentinian player. who has been exceptional in, in the Italian league for years and we just haven't seen him. He's a great goal scorer. Haven't seen him play. Yeah,
1: I don't know. I don't know if it's a position thing and it's just he's down the pecking order or what. Um, I can't even remember
0: now. Did Di Maria play today or was he out? No, he was on the bench too. We have Angulo, Correa, debala and Di Maria all on the bench today. Yeah, so I think that was Di Maria picked up
1: a knock or something. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a uh, it's a little frustrating. I uh, I don't watch enough. Uh, Italian soccer. I'll catch I'll catch highlights and stuff now and then. But uh yeah, Dybala's fun to watch and um it's tough not to see him at a tournament like this.
0: Yeah. So they had in today, instead of Dybala, they had a guy named Papu Gomez, who I don't even know what who that is, thirty four years old. What the heck? Yeah. Huh. He plays for Sevilla, evidently. So I okay. I mean it's it's just kind of puzzling to me. If you've got, you're putting in this guy when you've got Anghal Correa, who plays any of the front three, and he plays for Atletico Madrid, and you have Paula de So it'll be interesting to see kind of if they shift that lineup at all because it, they didn't really get anything from that side of the field where Gomez was playing. It was one of the things I noticed right. during that game. So the the matchup, of course, now is going to be the Netherlands versus Argentina, and I don't know how you feel about this this game coming up, Josh. But I really I think the Netherlands is is going to win this game. I just I I love Messi to death, but he is the best forward attacking player to ever play the game, and may still be in the top five currently, even. Uh, but mm-hmm. he's going up against probably the best central defender in the world, so there is something that's that's different about this game that I think the Netherlands can, can really take care of business.
1: Yeah. Um, Van Dyke can shut down anyone um, on his day. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I, uh, I mean, Argentina will defend much more strongly than the United States. So it's um, interesting to see if you're uh, Memphis to Depe- or uh, Uh, Gakpo or someone's going to be able to get the goals against uh, a stouter defense. I mean, it'll be a good game either way. I don't know if I can make a prediction right now. All
0: right, we'll think about it. We'll need one. All right, so uh, anything else in that game, except that in the dying embers of this match, just before the final whistle went, Garan Kuel brought the ball down in the penalty area turned and shot and it was on goal and it was a missile. And Martinez was able to get a hand out and just barely palm it away. Absolutely heartbreaking. Uh-huh. How incredible would that have been for the 18 year old to, uh, the 18 year old Newcastle future legend to score on the stage would have been huge. Yeah.
1: It makes, uh, makes winning the premier league a lot easier when you have a world cup under your belt already. And, um, <laughs> and i don't think uh i don't think he was going to
0: win the world cup with that one shot but getting the goal certainly would have uh, gone a long way he would have won every award there is to win in australia though all of the love in the world um all right so the last thing i'm going to say about australia maybe on this podcast i am now going all out in support of a 2023 Australia or 2030, sorry, Australia <laughs> World Cup.
1: You mean them hosting? Yes. Shoot, brother, that'd be fun.
0: Uh, and I, I'd even be good with a uh, with a New Zealand Australia co bid. I, I know that the uh, the hatred and rivalry runs a lot deeper than than the U.S. and Canada. But probably not from a soccer perspective in the U.S. and Mexico. Those games have been mean in recent years. The U.S. Mexico games, they, I mean like they certainly you have. Know, you've got fans throwing beers at players and stuff. So yeah, those those are ugly. Uh, and this is yeah, I'm trying to like an all blacks, but yeah, I'd, I'd love a soccer's all whites hosted tournament.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to remember my Australian geography. So they've got most of their cities on the East Coast, right? Your Melbourne's and Sydney's. Um, Isn't like Perth the only city that's kind of farther away from where most of the people live? Maybe, is it Adelaide?
0: Something like that? Um, Well, I, I I would personally vote. Yeah, so Perth is the only one that's, I guess, a major city on the West Coast there, but... I would say most of the games should be in Tasmania. Uh huh. That's right. That's where cool. I would put most of the games. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, but you've got Sydney, Brisbane, Melbourne. Uh, and then, you know, you're so close to New Zealand that you've got several several pretty large cities there. So you've, I, I yeah. would say you've got enough. Uh, <clears throat> they, they have such a, a kind of thriving tourist community. Mm-hmm. Well, and tourist business not,
1: that, when they're not totally locked down. Yeah.
0: Yes, yes. When New Zealand's not totally locked down, so you know you've got probably three or four solid host cities in New Zealand, and maybe six or seven in Australia, including multiple. You know, you could have multiple stadiums in Melbourne and Sydney, and so yeah, I would I would be all about it. All right, so. Let's look at tomorrow's games real quick here and we'll we'll get some predictions. I, I think that these two are going to be pretty easy for us to predict. What they will produce is probably an incredibly strong quarterfinal match. And this this is really where kind of the cream rises to the top. The group stages, you're coming in on adrenaline. But by this time, you uh, you have tired legs. It's it's already been 3 games we've seen record long stoppage times. which means these players are playing an extra 10 to 15 minutes every game more than they normally would. And this is when kind of the technical know-how and setup and formation and tactics start to matter a lot more. So you generally see in this round of 16, the cream rise to the top, which is why you see Argentina and the Netherlands um, coming out on top But tomorrow's games, France, Poland, and then England, Senegal. So France, Poland, this feels like a pretty easy call doesn't it Josh because we have a rested France team.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I uh I'm... I'll say 3-1 to France.
0: I will say 3-0 to France. I just I don't think the long ball to Lewandowski is going to work against this midfield and this central defense. So it's just hard. It's going to have to come off a set piece if they do get one. Poland just hasn't had a ton of creativity through the middle of the field, so um, I'm going to say 3-0 to France on that one. And then England-Senegal. This one I could see it's maybe slightly more ripe for update or for upset, rather. And, I, you know, it saddens me to think about this Senegal team without Sadio Mane because they have performed so well. And if he was in this squad, it would be, exponentially better this doesn't that doesn't make the team five percent better it makes the team 30 percent better having him in there so it's definitely sad not to see him in there but it's a strong team that you know can hit can hit you on the break because they're very very fast Uh, and they and they could surprise england here i don't know i still think england win this game and probably win it pretty comfortably in eight out of ten games they win this 2-0 but if Senegal comes and they and they decide to show up, I, I give them more of a chance than I give Poland. Yeah. Um, I mean, no
1: question about Saudi Omane. He is significantly more important to that team than uh your Kareem Benzema is to France. And they haven't had him all tournament, but obviously it hasn't affected them yet. Um I think that Senegal does have a chance. Um I'm gonna go for that like one or two out of 10 game upset. I'm going to say Senegal upsets in 2-0 this game.
0: I love the call because England, while they have been very good in the last two tournaments, have historically been pretty bad at these. They've lived, they have not lived up to expectations. I also think Gareth Southgate is getting a little bit too comfortable in that job. And so I could see him just kind of, wanting to play this safe and trotting out Harry Maguire, Raheem Sterling and Jordan Henderson players who are not playing well and expect to get a win out of it. When he should be playing Phil Foden and he should be playing Marcus Rashford and you should have Calvin Phillips on the field. So there's just, or James Madison, really anybody except Jordan Henderson. So yeah. there's there's a chance I, for Senegal here. I still think England yeah. win this 2-0, but there's a chance.
1: Yeah, I get you're trying to rile me up a little bit by repeating his name so much, but <laughs> honestly, like even on the the people you mentioned, even on their best days, like they're not that good. Um, I don't understand. Um, I don't understand it. Uh, how they're getting minutes and some of them over other players that you'd think are clearly superior. But uh yeah, it would be it would be another heavy blow to the English speaking world if uh England were to lose after the United States and Australia today. But uh that's what I called. So, we'll see.
0: Indeed, indeed. And uh I just want to look slightly further ahead and then we'll wrap up for for today, but we have Japan, Croatia
1: mm-hmm.
0: and Brazil, South Korea on Monday. Mm-hmm. Those are, you know, obviously Korea, Japan, the last two Asian teams in this after Saudi Arabia and Iran were taken out. And, uh, you know, you can't bet against them because Japan's had two major upsets, massive upsets and South Korea as well. I mean, they, they have upset some, some pretty big contenders and they're both through here. And, Uh, you know, does Neymar play in this game? Who knows? Who knows? He, he looks, it looks like maybe he could, but it's not a, uh, it's not a, a definite thing. He, he probably won't start this game. I don't imagine. And then Croatia, you know, while they looked absolutely clinical against Canada, looked a little bit shaky again in their, in their last group game. So, you know, I, Japan, could ride the momentum wave here and, and, and really kind of upset some people. So yeah, I, I, won't, I won't do predictions on those yet, but just just some notes. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I kind of was leaning toward South Korea
1: more likely to upset than, than Japan, but both of them are capable. So you can't, uh, can't write off either in those games.
0: No, and wouldn't it be so fun to have a quarterfinal of Japan versus South Korea? It'd be crazy. It'd be amazing. Be yeah, absolutely amazing. Um, all right, so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna maybe ask the question of you, Josh, and then I'll I'll try to answer it myself as well. But I'm gonna ask the question of you: Why, if you are an American fan, should you continue watching this thing now that the USA has been eliminated? Now that they're going home, they're boarding a plane probably tomorrow morning to head home back to their back to their clubs. Why? Why should we continue watching? Well.
1: I think that the nature of the World Cup, where it only comes around every four years, uh, it makes it matter more. It makes it all the more special when uh, you score last late late goal or uh, make a you know crucial save off the goal line for for your team. Um, a goalie stretches and and saves a great shot. It, it's it's, you know, to the max, whereas club soccer, while you might see teams that have better chemistry because they play together more often and, you know, certain teams have pieced together um, players from lots of different countries to fit together and play strong. Um, they're also playing week in, week out every year. And yeah, there's just, there's just something uh, meaningful and special and um, really magical about uh, once every four years, players have been looking for the. I, these players have been watching World Cup their entire life. Uh, they want to represent their country. So you know, when a player scores and runs up to the the fans, uh, the, you know, the whole team comes surrounds them. They celebrate. It's uh it's a really an amazing thing to watch. Um, I mean, I still have in my head the image at the end of the 2006 World Cup when the final whistle blows and the Italian players like are running onto the field to celebrate winning the World Cup. Um, it's just like kind of a larger-than-life situation um, because of what it is. So that would be my answer for why you should continue to watch the World Cup.
0: Yeah, I'm going to repeat a lot of what she said, and I think I'm going to try to draw some some U.S. analogies here too. Like, I I almost feel like because because it's such a small window, you know, these players might there are a lot of exceptional players that are not playing in this tournament. The best oh. forward in the world is not playing in this tournament. I mean, you have yeah. Erling Holland who's sitting at home watching this tournament because he's from a smaller country that didn't have a good enough team to qualify in the in the European pool. So this is a tournament that matters so much because somebody like an Erling Haaland is not here, didn't get to do it this time and and might not get to do it. He might only get one shot at a World Cup in his in his career. And and so in my mind this is maybe the best parallel for US fans is like March Madness. And we talked about this in comparison to you know, how the brackets are broken up and just how there's games on all the time, but college players, I mean, you get to play for an NBA team if you're good for 10 or 15 or 20 years and you only get to play for, for college for two or three years. So the window is small. So the opportunity that you have to go out and win a national championship for a school and go down in history at a school is the same kind of weight that you have with the world cup. I, I, So living in Arkansas, there's really only one major team here. And you, you go up to Razorback stadium to watch a football game. And there are dudes from the eighties national championship team, the basketball team that they just walk through the Razorback stadium when they're playing football and they get let into every box and cheered everywhere they go. And it's been 40 years. Uh And so, or nineties, I guess it was, but it's been a long time. And that's the way that World Cups are. I mean, the window is so small and it matters so much. This is also the most watched event in the world. I mean, the viewership numbers dwarf the Super Bowl dramatically, and they aren't even kind of accurate. I, I'll tell you a quick memory. So having grown up in Africa, I remember the first World Cup that I was ever exposed to in, that I could really participate in. I was 10 years old. So France 98 was the tournament being played. And I remember I, I remember watching some of the U.S. 94 games, you know, being in the U.S. But France 98 was the first time where I, I was really like, I was there and involved. And I remember driving by a little convenience store in downtown Kampala. And, you know, it's essentially, it's not almost, it's almost not even a structure. But there's this tiny little TV that's in the top left corner of this convenience store. And it was maybe a twelve-inch CRT, and there there had to be two hundred and fifty people. Good grief! Just pouring out of the out of the store, watching from on the street level. And I remember we're sitting in traffic, driving by there, and I'm thinking, what in the world is going on? And then all of a sudden, they all start screaming and jumping up and down. And let me just clarify: Uganda's never been to a World Cup, so. These people were not cheering for a Ugandan team, but it showed the, the amount of passion and emotion that goes into these tournaments and what it means to you know, individual players, your favorite players. Uh, and so this is an opportunity to kind of sit back and just fall in love with the game. And you know we're four years away from hosting a tournament. It's important that when we host that tournament, that there are people in this country who love this game. And it's important for what it means 15 and 20 years from now for the kids that will grow up loving this game as a result of being involved in that tournament. And it, it can be such a powerful, powerful thing. So watch it because it matters. It matters in a big, big way. And it matters to these players. You can see it on their faces and just it's, it's sharing in the human experience in a way that maybe you, you don't get to in any other way. So, or in any other situation. So, watch it yeah yeah it's a good point there's uh i mean
1: for the sports that are big here college football or the nfl or uh nba or something uh you'll have fans around your city or across the country but nothing truly global um and there's no other like truly global sport like the world cup where you can uh you can talk about a game you watched in the world cup. And if you run into pretty much anyone from anywhere else in the world, there's a good chance. They also watched that same game at the same time you were watching it. Um, going back whatever whatever world cup game you're watching, because people watch, um, all of the time, all over, um, like every game that's on, uh, from all over the world, they're watching. So it's, yeah, it's really a global thing. That's unlike anything else.
0: Yeah, so uh, we talk about some some of the host cities that that are going to be uh, going to be seeing these games uh, in in 2026, and you know there are a lot of southern cities that have beautiful beautiful stadiums. I want there to be huge fan bases there, and I want the parties to be amazing. I want the the passion and the energy level that comes along with one of these tournaments to be it. Absolutely incredible. I don't want the U.S. to host the best logistical World Cup ever. That doesn't matter, right? It matters. You don't want people where where you have a situation like you did in the Champions League final last year where fans can't even get into the stadium. But you do want a level of energy and passion in these cities where you don't have a bunch of people driving by saying,
1: What's going on over there? Is there something big or like a big event going on?
0: You don't want that. That would be embarrassing for all of us. So get involved, enjoy it, love it, learn to love it.
1: Do you think that uh, in 2026, they'll have beer at those stadiums? Is that,
0: do we find out that yet? You know, that's a good question. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do. And I think we're going to have beer at the places that are outside. And I think we're going to have gardens of beer. And I think we're going to have zones of beer. And I think that you're actually, honestly, in most of these cities, you're probably going to see like entire sections around the stadium blocks where open containers. Cool. Like you're good. It's fine. Yeah. Um, and I hope that's the case, you know, like it, it just, it feeds into the amount of energy and these players feed off the energy too. This, this has been a good, uh, a good world cup from a logistical standpoint, terrible world cup. And as far as human rights abuses and and what's gone into to winning it, but, it, it, they're also just like, I don't know. It, I read an article that said you know, the energy here is just kind of okay, and you know, you get five miles from the stadium, and there's like a couple of kids playing cricket, and they don't know what's going on in the stadiums. So I don't want that to be the US. You know, I, I want I want it to be a hugely passionate thing. So, so the Super Bowl, just just so we can have a numbers comparison, Super Bowl viewership. Josh, take a guess. Uh, most recent Super Bowl viewership was one
1: hundred and fifteen million. Good grief! Shut up. Seriously,
0: <laughs> what, what is guess? it? Was is that, that was a, guess? a guess? Yeah. Wow. So it grew. It drew a uh, an average of one hundred and fourteen point four million viewers. Get out. Yes. That's ridiculous. That's so, you're so <laughs> close, but you did go over, so you lose. Yeah. Um. Because I guess one. And uh, and and it's closest without going over. You explained that thoroughly. I did. So uh, the Russian final, France and Croatia. How many people do you think watched that? Uh,
1: eight hundred. Nope. Uh, one point two billion.
0: I think you've looked these up already. No. <laughs> I, I think I think you've looked this up. Okay, so it was 1.12 like... 1, 1. billion. But okay. over the course There's... of the World Cup, the estimate for 2018 was that 51.3% of the world's population watched a World Cup game. Yeah. Over 3.5 billion people. So... You can pick up a conversation with almost anybody in the world to Josh's point about the World Cup. And chances are, if you flip a coin, they're going to be able to remember something about it. It matters, people. Watch it. It matters.
1: Ask me about the uh next upcoming lottery numbers since I'm since I'm on a roll here. Okay. And so then, and then just go before up or down we sign down. off
0: tonight. I I want to uh I want to ask Josh a quick question for all of you listeners out there that are looking to get rich quick. Oh yeah. Josh, give me 6 random numbers in a row. All right. <coughs> 9. Mhm. 21, Nine. 23. 21, 23. 38. 38. 46. 46. 49. 49. Wow, that's close.
1: Yeah, if you need a Powerball number, 17.
0: 17. All right, people. This is not advice, but... Yeah, it's
1: definitely not advice, and apparently I'm over
0: every time, so you should probably lower yeah, so, all those numbers so, by some. So, well, no, you just take all of the numbers, and then you, you pick the last one, and you lower it just slightly. So that last yeah. uh, 17 number, maybe knock it to 15. You'll be in a good spot. Hey, listen, I look forward to splitting
1: those winnings with uh, whoever else wins. With whoever you've
0: done the favor for. All right. Well, Josh, that's it for us today. I appreciate all of you listening. It is the World Cup 2022 podcast with Owen and Josh, and it is brought to you by Homekeeper, simplifying home maintenance for busy homeowners. Follow us on Twitter. We have a cool shirt that just came out yesterday. Uh, We've just tens of orders already on that. So uh, follow us on Twitter. It is at WC 2022 podcast. And uh, sometimes we make controversial statements there. A lot of the time I'm just like trying to reach out to Chris Wood and who's a a striker for New Zealand and plays for Newcastle and trying to get him to uh, come on and, and talk about the Australia game with us. So, you know, he didn't accept Yeah. yet there's still time chris good night everybody good night we love you take care